Morning everyone. Um, you probably think it's a bit odd to commemorate the anniversary of possibly the worst day of your life. Maybe in my case, the second worst day of my life. Um, but I actually, I'm an optimist. In fact, I'm a very painful optimist, if you ask Mr. Lucy. Um, and I'm very good at flexing situations from really shite into really good. In fact, I should probably be a political spin doctor because I can spin hell and still make it of some form of benefit or positive. Um, I don't know if that's, I definitely was not raised that way because my mother was such a, a pessimist. My dad was an optimist, but she dragged him down. But uh, as a person now, personality, people would probably say I am annoyingly optimistic and positive. Anyway, so I am sort of marking the anniversary, the seven year anniversary of, like I say, sort of probably the second, second worst day of my life. Um, when my narcissist number two had a cataclysmic narcissistic collapse. Um, at the time, obviously I had no knowledge of NPD. Um, I should have done, because I actually studied uh, personality development and child development and attachment theory for three years. <laughs> um, and then, you know, 10 years later, I find myself passionately in love, or I thought I was, with a fucking, the most disordered, unhealthily structured, anxious, avoidant, attached, loser, evil bastard on the planet, possibly. Um, all victims say their narc was the worst, so I'm going to give myself artistic license to do the same. Um, so yeah, seven years ago today, about three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, might even have been dinner time, so five or six, um, my narcissist number two's mask. I'm not going to say it fell, but it started to slide away from the evil, scaly, disgusting monster underneath. And that's often when you will see a narcissist's true, true self is in a narcissistic collapse. Because they kind of, there's a conscious and a subconscious um, maneuver there. They, they, they can be consciously testing you, punishing you, and wanting you to see the beast to test you, to test your resilience, to test your bond to them, to test your ability to, to continue in the abusive relationship as it will be absolutely from now on. Um, and it can be subconscious because other shit's been going on, obviously you're not really aware of as the victim or the, the main supply stroke victim. That has been putting pressure on the narcissist and pressure for a narcissist feels like shame and they're a shame avoidant type of person. They're pathologically shame avoidant. So anything that feels like failure or a fuck up um, or embarrassment or um, that doesn't feel like they can maintain or control it, because control is important for them to avoid shame, um, will ultimately over time send a narcissist bonkers, send them crackers. So there's a conscious and a, an unconscious slipping of the mask and disordered people even people who don't necessarily have personality disorders but who who try to make everything okay when it's not who can't face the truth who can't cope with the work as we say that needs to be done to get through the dark things or the the, the decisions they've made will wear masks um it's when it becomes a fixed state as an adult and you wear those masks not just to survive and cope and avoid shame but to manipulate and control people 
and situations around you for your own personal gain is when we got a problem. Um, so, seventh, seven years ago today, um, just to kind of give you a little bit of detail into it, the narcissist number two, I had never ever, okay, I had never seen him drink, I wasn't aware that there was drug issues, um, certainly not Valium, um, absolutely not cocaine. I didn't do drugs. I'd never really done drugs. Obviously, I did Ekkies in the 90s, but by this point, I was 34 years old, 35 years old. Um, uh, he... I had no idea. So I have to... I can't... I think what's really important, and I know a lot of victims have been through this, everything's not great. We're struggling with discards. We're struggling with maybe controlling behavior in the bedroom. We're struggling with emotional neglect. We're struggling with them supporting us in our professional endeavors. Um, you know, there's a struggle with a narcissist once the devaluation begins, but it's not, it's not unmanageable or overt abuse. We think it's going to settle down. We think things are going to get better. We try to, we try to people please and fawn and try to fix things for them. We're not yet at the point where we feel abused or we would confide in a friend, right? I think I'm being abused. We're certainly not yet at the point where we're aware that we're being cheated on um, or that there's other things at hand, perhaps triangulation with an ex or triangulation with a best friend uh, or that maybe there's been covert stalking. We're not aware, right? And that's classic because a narcissist's kind of job, for want of a better description, is to make us unaware of what is actually right in front of everybody else's fucking faces and actually really right in front of our face. Everybody else will know you're an abuse victim. Everybody else will know that you're being cheated on. And a lot of them will know that this bastard or bastardette has done this before, okay? Um, and people will know. You, like they say, like the song says, you'll be the last to know. Um, and that's what the narcissist wants because by the point at which it suddenly fucking hits you and the mask slides um, or starts to slide quick and fast and hard like a fucking runaway train to hell um, you, you, you're ready to take this abuse and keep going because you don't realise this is the status quo now you don't realise this is what he or she does you don't realise you're the first, you're the last, or the most recent, sorry, of a victim of this type of abuse. You'd, you think this is just one particular horrible experience. Uh, it's never happened to anybody before. Because while you, you've got that hope and optimism, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, while you've got this optimism and resilience, which is fake resilience, really, um, you're resilient to it. A narcissist can enjoy themselves. They can absolutely fucking... They can throw the mask off... You know, um, like something out of Moulin Rouge. Whoa, off we go. Let's become a fucking evil cunt and a rapey bastard. La, da, da. They can do that and you are fucking still there. The narcissistic collapse that I had seven years today was my narcissist saying she's trauma bonded, she's committed, she's in love, she's in lust. We're bound together. I've isolated her. I've worked out her family's fucking shit. And the narcissist has decided, maybe consciously and subconsciously, now's the time, okay? And they will have been up to no good. So what's triggered the collapse has probably been 
um, the ex putting fucking pressure on pressure, 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 which um, narcissist number two's uh, ongoing and offgoing, ongoing, offgoing, ongoing, offgoing in ex was a master at was pressure daily, hourly texts, phone calls, WhatsApps, pressure, pressure, pressure on our narcissist number two. Um, very covert, but very clever because it wasn't abuse. It wasn't threats. It was pressure. You can't report someone to the police to, for five WhatsApps, pressuring someone to dump someone, which is exactly what she was doing. Pressure, dump Lucy, pressure, dump Lucy, pressure, dump Lucy. If you don't dump Lucy, you're not seeing your kid. If you don't dump Lucy, I'm going to go to child maintenance service and have a proper child maintenance payment set up. Pressure, pressure, pressure. So my narcissist was under all that pressure and it was doubled by the fact that he didn't want me to know not only how bad the pressure was because I was kind of aware of it because she was texting while we were having sex and she was texting while we were having dinner and she was texting at 11 o'clock at night and Christmas Eve this is what she did extra pressure isn't it special occasions intimate occasions times when you're just supposed to be just used to and that was you know she's learned that that skill um but she, my narcissist number two was under pressure of his own lies his own false self that he had presented to me for the last couple of years and the lies around who and why this pressure was occurring, right? So he was having to keep the, the magnitude of this pressure away from me because at some point he would have had to say to me, the reason why this woman will not leave me alone and wants you to be dumped and me to go back to her is because that's what we do. You're not my first, my second, or even my third victim. Me and her do this. This is our dance. We cheat, we break up, we stalk, we degrade, devalue, smear, and then we get back together. And then we do it again with another victim, just like you, Lucy. And the reason why I'm under so much fucking pressure from this woman is because she's ready. She wants it to happen now. She needs everything to go back to the way she wants it, which is just me and her and us doing what we do best, which is pretending we're in love, pretending we're passionate with each other, pretending we're loyal, pretending this is it, pretending we're going to get married, pretending that, that the children we have are wanted and needed and are nurtured. She needs the pretense. She's putting pressure on me because at the moment she's not getting what she wants and she's sick of this now. She's fed up. Okay, she's waited in the wings and had subtle pressure, subtle pressure, subtle pressure on me and you, but it's coming. She needs this to stop now. If he had, that's, if he'd have explained that to me, would I have stayed with him? Probably not. And he knew that. So the pressure of keeping this vile triangulation context pressure and subtle bullying that she was doing, right, was starting to erode him. I suspect he'd been cheating with her. I think he'd been breadcrumbing her um, and saying, listen, you know, so she's thinking to herself, we'll come at the end now, yippee, here we go. This is the way it usually works. Usually he cheats with me. And then what happens is he dumps the supply. So now that he's shagged me a few times, I reckon this is it, here we go. So she's all excited. Here we are, September, 2015. He's coming, he's coming. He's gonna destroy Lucy. He's gonna destroy our kids' lives. Absolutely, yippee, 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 yippee do, right? And he's, he's turned around and said to her, no. 
because we continued for six months after this collapse. And it was me that ended the relationship in the spring 2016. He said no to her. I also know now that to relieve the pressure from the next, he was cheating with eight other women. And this is how Casanova psychopath narcissists operate. To relieve pressure, they have a disordered approach to it. They don't go a nice long walk along the canal like I do, or do a gratitude list, or have coffee with friends, or uh, have a bath. They masturbate, or they steal, or they binge drink, or they drug, or they do all of it if you're my narcissist. And they, they, they talk to strangers online and ramp it up so it becomes sexual within minutes or hours. This is their pressure release. That's what, that's what, when the mask is slipping, is pressure release for a narcissist. It's not what a narcissist wants you to think, which is things have just got worse for me, things have just got better for them. Because while the mask has slipped and they're drinking and they're drugging and they're wanking and they're making porn and they're strangling you and abusing you and trying to discard you and get arrested while they're doing all that, they are loving life. They are loving life. Because what's happened is they don't need to pretend anymore and they're having all these amazing pressure outlets that make them feel good, that make them feel valid and needed and seen and sexy and heard. And it's fun, isn't it? It's fun getting coked off your head, losing 300 quid in a gambling, in a betting shop, making friends with some junkie out the gym and going and watching porn together. To a narcissist, a Casanova psychopath narcissist, that is the ultimate fun. To a normal person who does not have a dark tetrad personality disorder, that's gross. I mean, we've all done it. Well, not some, some of that, but not all of it. It's gross. And we get an emotional hangover and we go, what the fuck did I just do? This has got to stop. Pop ourselves to a doctor or pop ourselves back to AA or NA or whatever. And we fucking fix that shit and we never do it again. The, be the best way to see if a narcissistic collapse or even just narcissistic injuries are occurring, is they don't fucking do all the healthy shit to fix it. They carry on doing all the disgusting shit and they expect you to fix it. You, the victim of the abuse, is responsible for the abuse stopping. Big, big, big sign of a narcissist. The narcissist also, during the collapse, will absolutely blame everybody. So it was all the Nexus fault, right? And it was some of her fault, absolutely. Some of it was my fault, apparently. I'd just been stood there ironing. I'd ordered a Chinese that had cost me 40 quid because he never paid for them. And I was, kids were watching telly and I was ironing. That was my life. That was what I was stood doing seven years ago this afternoon. That was what I was doing. What the fuck did I do to deserve what she did and what he did to me and my kids. Fuck all. Sweet fuck all. That's it. So the narcissistic collapse will absolutely blaming everybody. I can't do this. Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink. I can't cope. It looks like a breakdown, right? It looks like a relapse in drugs and alcohol, but it's not. It's a narcissistic collapse because the narcissist needs to do it to relieve pressure, test you, trauma bond you, because the trauma of a narcissistic collapse, because you're thinking, this is everyone else's fault because you believe you're narcissist. And because you're thinking this is something that can be managed and fixed and resolved, and because this is probably the first time you've seen it, 
you are immediately trauma bonded because you you tell yourself, I can fix this, I can fix this person, we can get back on track and we'll be all the stronger for it. Or what he used to say was, me and you against the world, baby. You become that pish that Casanova psychopaths say, we're meant to be together now. You know, I came back to you, Lucy. I used to hear that all the time. But I came back to you like I was chosen for more abuse. Yay! You know, or I dumped all those women. I ended it for you, Lucy. Like, like fidelity is a fucking gift. You know, I don't want to be with her. She's nobody to me. She's a psycho. It's you I want. Although he's going back to her and saying all that to her. I'm a psycho and that blah, 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 blah. Right? So a narcissistic collapse has multiple functions. And I, I, just to end, I have to say... I I never diso I don't well I don't recall dissociating before but I dissociated and I've continued to dissociate under under trauma uh, and pressure and what feels like out of control situations um, since uh, I was given a definitely a tra uh, traumatic brain injury a TBI. 100%. The beginning of my complex PTSD began then because there was violence that weekend. He infected me with chlamydia. I'd love to know what lassie he was shagging who gave him the chlamydia because she's a dirty cow. Um, and uh, there was, like I say, there was violence. I, I, went to, I had to go to a police station for the first time in my life to take him clothes for court. He then screamed abuse at me outside the court and then phoned me up that night and came around to have sex with me. The, 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 the constant attacks on my central nervous system, my belief system, my moral compass, um, and my, just who I was that particular weekend, all in a oneer, all in a oneer, combined with the fact that this was just my partner. He was sober, he'd never taken drugs, he'd never cheated and he would never cheat on me. And suddenly I'm peeling a drunk, high guy out of a junkie's house, right? I'm burning with fucking some form of fucking sexual infection. Um, I'd had to leave my kids in the house on their own and they were absolutely not of legal age remotely. So I'd done something I never thought I would do. Um, I'd spent the last of my money getting a taxi to this junkie's house to pick my narcissist up. I'd found eight females in his phone, hundreds of videos of him masturbating in his place of work, in my house, in his house, that all coincided with times when I was either there or he discarded, AKA broken my heart. I found messages between him and the next. He'd even called another ex. He'd even called Jay, who he was cheating on his next with and he, when he met me. So he was going round all his exes that week, that weekend trying to shag them or whatever, I don't know. And I was a complete innocent. The shock of this, only people who have been through this can appreciate. It changes you. I felt like the whole weekend, and there was lots more, and I will do, I'll do the anniversary recordings tomorrow and the next day, because um, it, it, the, 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 the cataclysmic collapse took place over three days. Uh, so it's three days of abuse and violence and hell and humiliation and shock and horror um, and then extreme gaslighting, you know. Um, anyway, I'll talk about those tomorrow. But So the, the, I can't even begin to express what that is like. You know, vision, my senses were overloaded with shock because the, the things I saw in his phone, the things I heard in WhatsApps and coming out of his filthy lion snake mouth 
you know, the understanding, the realization that this was not a clean and sober guy. This was a regular street Valium addict, a cocaine addict, and a chronic alcoholic who had never been sober longer than six months. And he told me eight years. I'd left my husband for this guy a year and a half, er well, nearly a year and a half earlier. Can you imagine all that going <laughs> in your face? Well, and people wonder why I went bonkers because I then had to put up with this for another six months until I eventually grew some balls and dumped him. It changes you. And I changed, but here I am. Seven years since walking along that fucking stunning canal I never even knew existed. My gorgeous man's away out with all his mates. He's loyal, he's faithful, he barely drinks. He doesn't do any drugs. And this is my life now. I'm not gonna go and stand and iron and order a chinky and a Chinese takeaway and neglect my kids or neglect somebody or be anxious or be sick. I'm gonna have a shower, dress myself up, sit on the dock, uh, the bow of the boat, have a gin and tonic, do some writing. Could my life be any more different? Narc free? I don't think it could be, honestly. These bastards don't deserve a second of our time. Never mind, years and years, but recovery is possible.